Our story begins in the early 1970s in the heart of Texas, where an unlikely duo, Herb Keller and Roland King, dared to challenge the titans of the airline industry. Their vision? An airline that would democratize the skies, offering affordable air travel for all. This is the story of an airline that would go on to post 47 consecutive years of profitability. It is also the story of an airline that over the end-of-year period of 2022 was responsible for more than 50% of total global flights cancelled. I'm Marilyn, the CEO and founder of Cosmic Centaurs, and you're listening to our fourth episode of the third season of our weekly live video series called Center Stage. It is ingrained in human nature to love a good story, and in my years of experience and learning, I have collected a number of stories from companies and leaders who've either succeeded brilliantly or failed tragically, and the lessons we can learn from these stories. In our third season, we dive deep into tales of triumph and tragedy sharing lessons learned from companies and leaders who faced incredible challenges. And today, we are charting the flight path of Southwest Airline, diving deep into their early successes and the turbulence that followed. Born on March 12, 1931, in New Jersey, Keller earned his bachelor's degree in English and philosophy from Wesleyan University and later graduated from New York University with a law degree. He started off as a lawyer in New Jersey, and then he moved to Texas in the 60s with a plan to start his own law firm. It was in Texas that he met Roland King, a client, who presented him with a business idea, a low-cost, no-frills airline that would provide service between Houston, Dallas, and San Antonio. This idea became the foundation for Southwest Airline. An often retold founding myth debunked by Roland King on his deathbed, claimed that the business plan was written out on a cocktail napkin in a San Antonio restaurant. There was a simple plan of connecting the Texas Triangle with low-cost air service, patterned largely on California's Pacific Southwest Airlines. By flying between these three cities, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio, the two men bet that the airline could then escape some burdensome federal regulations in effect at the time because they were flying inside a single state. Now, they were right, but that doesn't mean that Southwest's journey was smooth. In fact, its journey to flight was quite complicated. It was made complicated by a number of legal challenges from competitors I was reading through the legal battles yesterday, and it involved all sorts of courts up to the Supreme Court, and really was one of the first legal battles to begin the deregulation of the airline industries. Keller really fought fiercely to keep Southwest alive, and it took more than three years to do so. He even reached into his own pockets and covered all of the legal fees just because he truly believed that it was going to be worth it. And as we know, his efforts eventually paid off when Southwest Airlines made its first inaugural flight on June 18, 1971. Reflecting back on that time, Keller said, 
I think my greatest moment in business was when the first Southwest airplane arrived after four years of litigation. And I walked up to it and I kissed that baby on the lips and I cried. The tale of the startup that is started in a garage and launched in a few weeks often clouds the stories of endurance and commitment needed to launch something like Southwest. Takeoff isn't always a short journey. From there on, Southwest thrived, as we know. They had an approach that emphasized affordability for passengers. Their success lay in things that we now take for granted because um, we've all you know, been uh, on low-cost airlines, but at the time were completely revolutionary, like cutting back on superfluous services, standardizing their fleet, only using a single type of aircraft, the Boeing 737, adopting a point-to-point -point flight system instead of the hub-and-spoke model. That avoided a lot of the additional costs that came from that model. And also the introduction of the 10-minute turn, aka Southwest's ground crew would have a plane ready for its next flight within 10 minutes of arrival. I remember one of my strategy teachers even remarking on how he had one been, been on one of those planes and he even saw the pilot come out and clear the trash um, from the lanes. Two years later, 1973, the airline turned a profit and they remained profitable for 47 consecutive years until the pandemic. Southwest's approach was so disruptive for its time that a new term originated in the airline industry to describe a phenomenon that occurred when Southwest Airlines entered a new market, the Southwest effect, which describes the overall lowering of fares and increase in traffic of people who might have otherwise not flown at all, taken the bus, taken a plane, who were suddenly able to travel um, using Southwest Airlines. Now, during its first decade, Keller was not the CEO. It had a number of leaders, including its most notable, which was Marion Lamar Muse. Um, we're not going to spend too much time with him, but it's very worth it to note that he's the guy who invented the two-tier fare system by slashing the fares on the last flight of each day in each direction so that planes wouldn't fly empty. And you can get on a plane um, for 10 bucks at the time. Now, Keller became the CEO on February 23rd, 1982. And truly, if you've read anything about him, you know Keller was no ordinary executive. In fact, I am wearing my most unordinary shirt to celebrate him because he was truly a unique, larger-than-life figure. I'll tell you a few of his stories in a minute. His leadership was distinctive. It combined humor, compassion, tenacity, but he was also known for being eccentric, unorthodox. He came dressed up to company events. He attended them as Elvis Presley sometimes or a leprechaun on St. Patrick's Day. Um, there's a great story that uh, is recounted about Keller and his unique approach um, to business. Um, at a moment where the company had adopted an advertising slogan that was just plain smart, get it? plain smart. They didn't know that a smaller airline, Stevens Aviation, was already employing that slogan. Now, someone on the Stevens Aviation's team, a really smart marketing executive, suggested to the CEO that perhaps they could, instead of going into complex legal litigation, they could invite the CEO of um, Southwest for a wrestling match, an arm wrestling match. Um, they sent him that letter, and then they were very surprised to discover that it had been leaked to the press. It turned out the person who leaked it was Herb. 
he thought it was great advertising for all involved. And it ended up being quite the event. It was dubbed the Malice in Dallas event. Um, and if you look at, up for those pictures, like I saw pictures of this yesterday. It was truly incredible. It was a Mac boxing ring, massive room. Um, you know, Herb, of course, was dressed humorously. Um, and there was even quite a bit of um, reporting on the exchange of letters uh, between uh, the CEO of Stevens and Herb, um, where he famously claimed that as part of his preparation, his regimen consisted solely of drinking wild turkey bourbon and smoking cigarettes. Um, now, of course, the CEO of Stevens Airlines, Herworld, emerged as the arm wrestling champion, so Herb lost, but he still generously allowed Southwest to retain the slogan. And as a result of this unorthodox way of doing things, he gained a mentor and a friend in Keller, which was truthfully a priceless gain. Now, this spirit is present throughout the customer experience at Southwest. It's known for quirky, humorous cabin crew outfits, check-in counters, in-flight announcements, bringing smiles to passengers' faces, making the work more enjoyable for staff and the experience more enjoyable for customers. Attendants are really well-known for their famous announcements. Um, an example that I found yesterday is, there may be 50 ways to leave your lover, but there are only four ways out of this airplane. <laughs> the light-hearted and jovial attitude has always been integral to Southwest. Dating back to when corporate secretary Colleen Barrett stated that employees should take their roles seriously, but not themselves seriously. Quoting from the Southwest website, it says, there isn't a safe family-oriented game that hasn't been attempted at the airport. If it does not set off security alarms, it's probably been done. From paper airplane contests and scavenger hunts to sack races, mini basketball games, dance-offs, and even worse, driver's license photo competitions. These activities have been shared and appreciated by thousands delighted customers on social media. During the 80s and 90s, it was commonplace to see gate agents and supervisors trudling wagons and dollies filled with Southwest giveaways through bustling airport terminals. Herb championed that notion that work could be fun, that business could be personal, and that a company's employees and customers are its heart and soul. Despite his position, Herb was known to be super approachable and personable. You could find him often helping baggage handlers around you know, Thanksgiving and other busy travel times, chatting with passengers, mingling with flight crews. He had an unwavering dedication to customer and employee-centric culture that made Southwest Airlines stand out from its competition and that continues to be an integral part of its legacy. Keller and his colleagues identified eight freedoms. It was their way of formulating the values that characterized the culture inside the airline. The freedom to learn and grow, the freedom to create financial security, the freedom to make a positive difference, the freedom to create and innovate, the freedom to stay connected, the freedom to pursue good health, to travel, to work hard and have fun. He often observed that while his competitors could acquire assets, they'd never be able to buy culture. And he pledged to prioritize employees above all else, followed by customers and then shareholders. Keller was often heard saying and quoted saying, your employees come first. And if you treat your employees right, guess what? Your customers come back and that makes your shareholders happy. Start with employees and the rest follows from there. I wonder if 
he said it first or Richard Branson. This commitment was reflected in many different policies, including a first-of-its-kind employee profit-sharing plan, which they established in 1971. It was the only profit-sharing plan that was implemented by a company simply because the board thought it was the right thing to do. And when a company's well-being is tied to its employees' well-being, it leads to incredible effort on behalf of those employees to make the most efficient use of company resources. For example, Southwest pilots would work with dispatchers. They would scrutinize flight plans, looking for ways to optimize speed and minimize fuel wastage. They mastered the art of selecting runways that allowed for single-engine taxiing, leading to fewer emissions, decreased fuel use. Employees were eager to shoulder responsibilities that lie outside of their usual roles. They understood that every action, however small, could affect the company's financial health. There's a lot of stories of employees going over and above to help out a customer. The story I listened to yesterday, um, told by the employee and the customer that were involved in it, um, the employee ended up driving a pair of shoes to this passenger that had arrived late that was going to a marathon so that that person could participate in that marathon and compete. That was over and above what that employee was ever expected to do. She had to drive for hours to get there. Um, another telling episode is a customer agent had a challenging encounter with a tough customer who announced, don't you know I'm a shareholder of Southwest Airlines? To which the agent calmly replied, we all are. This culture of ownership and empowerment fueled by the founder's employee-first philosophy has definitely been the engine driving Southwest's extraordinary financial success. Even during the financial crisis of 2008, Southwest employees came together to avoid layoffs, with many voluntarily taking pay cuts or unpaid time off to ensure the company stayed afloat, their colleagues kept their jobs. In the aftermath of 9-11, Southwest doubled down on this commitment to employees and customers and was among the first airlines to restore its flights and the few that were profitable that year, allowing them to avoid any furloughs. The culture of Southwest was also very much brought to life by Colleen Barrett. She truly institutionalized employee care, from establishing an internal customer care team, the culture committee, culture team volunteers, and in later years, the Southwest Airlines University, the Gratitude Program, and so many other programs that made sure employees continued to feel valued. In fact, Southwest Airlines host conferences every year to share the ways in which they are continuing to live out their culture and values and, and make employees feel engaged. And this laser-sharp focus on culture led to incredible outcomes. We spoke about a few of them. 47 consecutive years of profitability, 4% voluntary turnover, the number one lowest number of customer complaints, 85% of their employees saying they're proud to work there and no layoffs and no furloughs ever. But then the tides turned. During the Christmas period of 2022, Southwest Airlines experienced a major disruption to its operations. The airline canceled more than 16,000 flights or about 63% of its scheduled flights between December 21st and 23rd. The cancellation caused chaos and stranded thousands of passengers. People missed family events, funeral, cancer treatments, and holiday gatherings. Passengers were forced to drive across the country, some for more than 17 hours. 
often unable to transfer to other airlines with ticket prices skyrocketing. Pilots and crew were left stranded, sleeping on airport floors or competing with customers to get booked into scarce hotel rooms. The disruption to operations was described by Seeking Alpha as the most costly and largest in the history of the U.S. airlines, costing Southwest almost a billion dollars. The airline was very quick to blame the disruption on winter storms, but a different reality emerged. You see, on December 25 and 26, Southwest canceled over 5,500 flights, but its competitor, theoretically subject to the same storms, Delta Airlines, only canceled 311. As days passed and Southwest continued to see massive numbers of cancellations, it became clear that the weather was not the cause, or at least not the sole cause, of the mass cancellations. Rather, it was the airline's operational systems. They were struggling to recover from the disruptions. The airline and its pilot union offered very contrasting reasons for the low-cost carrier's massive disruptions. While Southwest cited weather impacts, the union singled out poor preparation and a failure to modernize technology. In fact, even prior to that big meltdown at the end of 2022, there had been some signs. In 2012, the cancellation rate for Delta was 0.8%. By 2022, it had tripled, reaching 2.4%. This escalation had placed the airline in the unenviable position of having a higher cancellation record than most other leading airlines. Another number, the number of full-time tech workers at Southwest declined by 27% between 2018 and 2021, whereas the overall full-time employment only declined by 6 Punctuality, once a hallmark of Southwest, had taken a significant hit. The percentage of flights arriving on schedule had plummeted, hitting a decade low. And interestingly, in a distinct shift from the conventional union demands, which are usually around better pay and perks, the Southwest Airline Pilots Association took a unique stance earlier in 2022. The union urged Southwest Airlines to revamp its outdated crew scheduling technology. They mentioned that the existing system characterized by its rigid nature was leading to an unfortunate surge in flight cancellations. Delayed flights were often called off because crew members neared the end of their permissible duty hours. In a disconcerting turn of events, the airline would then lose track of the crew members, resulting in them sleeping on airport floors, seeking hotel accommodations on their own, the association pointed out that the airline's inability to effectively locate and assign backup crew to manage delayed flights was a significant issue. During two significant episodes in June and October of 2021, Southwest Airlines experienced substantial disruptions, leading to an enormous number of flight cancellations, a precursor to what would happen later. The October event was a particularly severe one. Over 2,000 flights grounded. The airline again cited... Uh, blend of inclement, inclement weather, staffing shortages, issue with air traffic control. But interestingly, once more, Southwest system was more adversely affected than that of other airlines facing the same circumstances. The Southwest Airlines Pilot Association placed the blame squarely on management's lack of foresight and inadequate planning. 
In fact, in the aftermath of the Christmas meltdown, a Southwest airline pilot named Larry Lunero supposedly published a Facebook post in which he accused the airline's previous CEO, Gary Kelly, of underinvesting in the company for years. His post went viral and it sparked a debate about Kelly's leadership. Here's a direct quote. Many of you have asked what caused this epic meltdown. Unfortunately, the frontline employees have been watching this meltdown coming like a slow motion train wreck for some time. And we've been begging our leadership to make much needed changes in order to avoid it. What happened yesterday? It started two decades ago. The pilot goes on to share that the strategic shift began with the departure of Herb in 2004. Herb's leadership was very operationally focused with a finger on the pulse of the day-to-day -day functioning of the airline. When he retired, Gary Kelly assumed the role. Now, Gary was an accountant. He prioritized financial metrics over operational efficiency. This finance-first approach meant that it trickled down to the entire leadership and significantly impacted the operations of the airline. In the early years of Kelly's leadership, the robust operational framework that had been built by Herb sustained Southwest. But as the years passed, the lack of emphasis on operations started to take its toll. Investments in technology and infrastructure dwindled, leading to these inefficiencies. Warnings and pleas from frontline employees were ignored by leadership who remained focused on financial metrics. During this period, the once tight-knit, highly motivated, very proud employee group watched in dismay as their beloved airline began to crumble. Despite a series of operational crises, the management's attention remained elsewhere. The airline still relied on outdated technology, lacking the necessary tools to operate efficiently. The onset of COVID-19 didn't help. Like all airlines, Southwest had to scale back, inadvertently masking the underlying operational issues. As operations ramped up post-pandemic, then the lack of attention became glaringly evident. Early in 2022, Gary Kelly retired, Bob Jordan took over, He was more operationally focused and he did start to upgrade the technology and provide good tools to frontline employees. But despite this positive first step, the damage caused by two decades of neglect could not be undone overnight. Fixing them will be a Herculean task requiring time, leadership changes, a renewed operational focus. In retrospect, Herb Keller's own words ring true. The biggest threat to Southwest Airline indeed came from within. Now, what is there to learn? Well, first of all, echoing Keller's own thoughts and words, the Southwest story is a bold example of how great employee engagement and experience correlates with customer satisfaction and eventually leads to shareholder value. And that on the flip side, reducing your employee-related investments can have catastrophic consequences. The data tells us that companies with engaged employees have 89% higher customer satisfaction. They have 44% more productivity. They have 18% increase in sale and 23% greater profitability. Investing in your employees and creating a great experience for them is not a nice to have. It's a business imperative. In fact, the cost of employee disengagement to the global economy is $7.8 trillion. And if you'd like to see how much your company stands to gain from engaging your workforce, we've created an ROI calculator that we'll link in the show notes. For me personally, there's another lesson in the Southwest story. 
You know, Southwest both had a drive for excellence and playfulness in a very highly regulated and very serious industry. And that resonated with me. I am often asked about why I called our company Cosmic Centaurs when I aim to offer what many consider, and so do I, very serious consulting support. And the truth is, I always say, if you don't have a sense of humor, you probably shouldn't work for us. And the story of Southwest, you know, reinforced that belief in me. I hope you enjoyed the story and thank you for tuning in. I'm Marilyn Zakauer, and you're listening to Center Stage Season 3, where I talk about the most common challenges that leaders face and how they address them to inspire you to make better decisions about your organization. Our team frequently posts articles about the employee experience, leadership, the future of work on CosmicCenters.com, as well as on socials. Please do follow us for more. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to make sure you never miss one of these episodes. Join me again next week as we explore Jira's journey, bootstrapping their way to brilliance. Music